he winds it around for Pacioretty. Shouldered by Aguila. And Pacioretty is hurt. Max Pacioretty, 39 goals during the regular season. Fourth in the NHL. Now up on his knees. So you thought it was a clean hit for uh, watch how Pacioretty's going to turn. You watch Jerome McGinley come over. He cruises. He doesn't take any more steps. And as Pacioretty turns, McGinley comes in. He doesn't leave his feet. And it's a hard play. And if Pacioretty doesn't turn to make the play on the puck, then maybe it's a little bit different. Uh, one of the bigger hits the Bruins had last night, Mutton Lou, 93.7 WEEI, the man who broke down the action, breaks it all down for NBC Sports. Uh, as Pierre McGuire, he's uh, with us. He's brought to you by Norfolk Power Equipment by UMass Online and by Clark Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, and he joins us on the AT&T Hotline. Pierre, Mutt and Lou in Boston, how are you? I'm very well, Mutt. Great to visit with you. Hello, Lou. Pierre, you getting your sleep? Voices already sound a little better. Uh, not a lot of sleep. Last night, a friend of mine had a plane, so I flew from uh, Montreal to New York, and we had a circle because of bad weather, so I didn't get home till 3 o'clock this morning, and I left at 6.30. I'm in Pittsburgh right now. I just landed. You're in Pittsburgh, and the Bruins are back home here in Boston with a series tied uh, 2-2. It was one of these games where, you know, Pierre, from from a Bruins standpoint, unlikely hero, man. You talked to him after the game, Mr. Frozen Yogurt, Matt Frazier. I mean, he's at Chipotle 24 hours prior, and now he's scoring a game winner in overtime. Uh, Take us through that overtime sequence, what ended up with a Frazier goal and a Bruins win. Well, you could almost sense it coming from that line, but to be perfectly honest, I made the point that Lotcher in the broadcast, I thought Soderberg and Erickson in particular were dominant players at key times in that game, and obviously Soderberg won off the crossbar, and Erickson was really pushing the pace, and then obviously Fraser fit in really well with them. So uh, Peter Shirelli and the scouting staff of the Bruins and, and uh, Bruce Cassidy down in Providence deserve a lot of credit. This is a kid that was an undrafted player coming out of the Western Hockey League, and he caught a big trade last summer with Rich Peverly going the other way and Tyler Sagan going the other way. He fits in so well. Um, it was just a ping-pong play off the backboard. The quickest boards in the league are Detroit. The second quickest boards in the league are Montreal. But around that end, with that end, the Zamboni door end, those boards really pinball the puck right back out in front. and They took advantage of it. Good for the Bruins. I thought the Bruins played a really methodical, smart, surgical kind of game last night. Yeah, and I think there wasn't, you know, the mental breakdowns that weren't there that we saw in Game 3. But Bruins fans still feel, and I still feel, like we haven't seen the Bruins team that we've seen all year long. Is that yep. is that more the Bruins, or do you think the Canadians are doing something particular to make it look that way? No, I think it's the Bruins right now. I just think they're, they're worried about taking penalties. I really believe that's a big issue for them. They're worried about taking penalties, and they didn't want to go down 3-1 in Montreal. They fell behind the eight ball. If they win game one, I'm convinced. I told this to a friend of mine who's a coach in the NHL uh, early this morning before I got on my plane to Pittsburgh from New York. I said, I'm convinced if the Bruins win that game, the double overtime game in game one, they become more of a beast, more physical. But they went down 0-1 in the series. They knew they couldn't go down 0-2. They had to scramble to win game two. They lose game three, and they're, now they're saying, uh-oh. We, we cannot allow these guys to get man advantages, so it change a little bit of their dynamic. I also think going into tomorrow's game, now that it's 2-2 and it's going back to Boston, I believe, I truly believe we'll see a more physical uh, Bruins team, more like the Bruins team the fans in Boston are used to seeing. Well, the Bruins team was led by, as you said, that third line last night, Soderberg, Erickson, and Frazier. The, the APB's been put out, Pierre, for that first line. And, 
you know, we're watching on TV. You're right up close. Tell me what you are seeing with this line because they had one shot uh, among them for a long period of time last night. Krejci turning the puck over. Aginla didn't register a shot. What have you seen up close with the Bruins' first line? Well, in the first period, Jerome rang one off the bar. Um, so that doesn't count as a shot, but you're right. Outside of that, I think Milan's probably doing the most on that line right now. And I can tell you, I'm, I have to work in the Bruins' tunnel, believe it or not, uh, when we're in Montreal. So I get to see what they're like before the game and when they come out through the tunnel and the kind of interplay there is between the players. I just, for whatever reason, David Krejci looks a little fatigued to me. I think maybe today he gets a day off and he goes into the game energized tomorrow, maybe plays a little bit better, but he wasn't managing the puck well. I don't know if you saw my interview with Claude Julien, but he referenced not just David Krejci, he referenced a team not managing the puck well uh, during that game, especially in the power play. They need to be better, and I think they will be better. I think fatigue's part of it with Krejci, with the Olympics, with all the games he played last year, the fact he's not an overly large guy, I think there's a fatigue factor for him. You know, I know you've commented an awful lot about Dougie Hamilton. We've talked to you about him before, but you know, I, I've seen, I'm seeing a different guy here in this postseason. The physical play. Um, I thought last night Mutt was saying he felt Soderberg was the best player in the ice. I was thinking maybe Dougie Hamilton. Uh, and as a matter of fact, maybe outplaying Big Z right now, who looks, who looks, I don't know, a little tired. Maybe there's something going on there injury wise. Yeah, I don't know about Zidane. He doesn't look as quick, and he's not shooting the puck with as much velocity. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but the puck's not leaving a stick with as much velocity as we're used to seeing. Um, in terms of Dougie, I think he can take games over. I know last week I called him you know, the potential next Larry Robinson. I really see that in his game. There was a play he made uh, in the first period where he put the puck up and over two players that were attacking him in the neutral zone. It was one of the more brilliant plays I've seen from a young player in the league, let alone a defenseman. And I really think he can start to take games over. And he can sense it from the Bruins staff. They have a lot of confidence in him in a lot of different situations. You, know, you said, mentioned Chara. I mean, he never had great speed, you know, but he's taking a couple slashes there in the wrist and I'm kind of wondering, um, anything other than the speed? Or is it even slower than maybe you're accustomed to seeing? No, it's about the same. Um I thought he had a problem with the speed quotient at the Olympics on the big ice. It really did play for Slovakia. But here with his long reach and uh, with the smaller rink, I think he's okay. I haven't seen, noticed a drop-off in his speed, but I have noticed he's not shooting the puck as well, and it's hard. Pierre Maguire, NBC Sports, joining us. Murray and Weaver, uh, one guy loves to hit. The other guy's been blocking a million shots in this series. They're on the ice for that goal. Uh, yep. We uh, we connected with TSN in Canada uh, earlier, and, and the talk seemed to be – from a coaching perspective, why were they out there, Pierre? Were you surprised that pairing is locked up with, I know, technically the Bruins' third line, but I thought it was the Bruins' best line last night led by Soderberg there in overtime? It's the second time they've made that mistake. I mean, go back to game number two. I made the point of it right when the goal was scored. They had their third tandem on the ice. It happened to be Frankie Bouillon, Mike Weaver, against the Bruins' best line that day, Riley Smith, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand. Um, why they would do that in the third period, I don't know. I, I mean, I changed the defense in the Stanley Cup final. I've done it. I, I, you know, I, I know that it's a little bit more involved than people think. It's more like doing math equations than it is about running a hockey team because you've got to figure out time on ice and who's coming next. Uh, but it's a little bit easier to do when you're on home ice. So, again, it's not just dropping the ball and throwing guys out there. You've got to understand when you're playing a matchup game or you have a tandem that needs to be shielded, you got to be really aware of what the other team's doing and what their rotation and flow is. Uh, but it's the second time in this series that a mistake has happened. 
Now, when it comes to Max Pacioretty, is it as simple as, you know, just Patrice Bergeron kind of on this guy? Because we, we get on our first line and looking at Pacioretty, and they haven't got anything from him. Uh, it's equal opportunity on Max. They're, the Bruins went after Brendan Smith in the first round, and they took him completely out of sequence, and they're going completely after Pacioretty in this uh, series and Pacioretty's office game. And you could see the Ginley hit. I mean, they, they've gone max at him physically, no pun intended. And they've punished him. And I think I also know, I don't think, I know they've, I think they've gotten uh, a little bit more vocal than maybe they do with most players. And I think that's helped get Pacioretty off his game, too. Pierre, you've seen both guys now in this series, um, Barkowski and Mazeros. You know, I thought Barkowski last night was as shaky as he was in game one. And if I was yep. Claude Julian, I would go back to Mazeros. Which guy, you know, which guy gives the Bruins a better chance in that defensive pairing in game five and going forward, Mazeros or Barkowski in your mind? Uh, as long as you harness Andre Mazeros and tell him what the expectation is of him and not for him to run around uh, and get himself into trouble or get exposed on stretch passes, then you probably go back to him. I made the point in the first period last night, Barkowski was really soft in the puck. He had a tough time defending down low. There was one sequence in the uh, second period that I really liked from Barkowski where he was dominant with the puck and he tried to attack off the rush. I thought it was a really good sequence for him. But outside of that, he looked a little nervous. Now, again, to be fair, he's a young player that's a really harsh environment. I, I Again, I thought the Bruins did a great job taking the crowd out of it. That was my point in the first period just the way the Bruins played the neutral zone. Montreal couldn't get any speed off the rush. But he's a young player learning. Um, and so potentially you go with an older guy like Mazaros who's been through it before. Yeah, I, I just I look at these last two games, Pierre, and go back where we started. I think the Bruins, the, the, the Bruins that we saw all year have to show up. I, the most shocking thing is not this thing is tied to two. It's that to me these last two games, three and four, the Canadians have been more physical team. And I never would have yep. imagined in this series we would say for not one but two consecutive games – Montreal was more physical than Boston. I really believe, and you know, the players will never admit this, but uh, again, knowing yeah. how tenuous the situation was going into the game last night, they did not want to take penalties, and so they were playing smart. They were playing almost a rope-a-dope game in the first period to take the crowd out of it so they didn't fall behind, and they didn't, to make sure that Tuca was seeing the puck and there weren't a lot of second-chance opportunities and that Montreal didn't get a lot of power play time so Subban and Markov could go to work. And I know it's not the most appealing form of hockey, but the Bruins are trying to survive that game so they can go back to their building where they're much more comfortable and play robust hockey. And I think you're going to see that tomorrow. I'm counting on seeing it tomorrow because that's one of the packs I'm building for the Bruins going into the game tomorrow to show the physical style they need to play if they're going to be a Stanley Cup championship team. How about the goaltenders four games into this now? Price doesn't seem to be, and you know, ironically lost that puck on Frazier's goal, but not many second yeah. chances in Tuca. Gets that game, the shutout win. Yeah, no, Tuca was great. Carey Price played equally well. They're both unflappable. I mean, they play a little bit different style. Um, they seem very comfortable right now uh, in the series. The biggest thing, though, Lou, I have to tell you, is with Tuca last night, he made a couple saves that were routine save. looks pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because he was expecting something else uh, or he was just maybe daydreaming a little bit. But outside of that, I thought he was outstanding. Pierre, last one for me. You started this months ago. Uh, Dennis Seidenberg told Kevin Paul DuPont a couple days ago that he could probably play right now. Now, he's not at a contact practice, but he has practiced pretty much every day with the Bruins, non-contact, but out there with this team. Uh, is there a chance, in your mind, he's back this series, and should the Bruins advance, is there any question in your mind that Dennis Seidenberg's back for an Eastern Conference Final? 
I think this series is too early. I spoke with Dennis last night. I really believe this series is too early because you don't want to do further damage or potential damage. But I think next series is very realistic. Did he tell you the same thing? That he could probably go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gotta ask. Gotta follow it up. It's a great question. It's an awesome question, and I gave my response. All right. <laughs> That's all we need to hear. That's good. Uh, Pierre, enjoy Pittsburgh today. Pittsburgh can close it out. They lead the Rangers three-one in that series. Uh, and we will talk to you uh, probably early in the week next week. We'll see where we are after Game 5. Travel safe and great stuff last night. Uh, you guys are gentlemen. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy your families. I'll talk to you guys probably Monday. I'll be in Montreal for that Boston-Montreal Game 6. Monday, right, Game 6. Thanks, Pierre. Pierre McGuire, NBC Sports Network, Pittsburgh Rangers tonight. That is a very good follow-up by you. We could have just That's said. a very. I mean, the cow's already out of the bag, Very right? good follow-up by he you. He already told Kevin Paul DuPont he could probably go. You could tell me. I mean, he did say he felt like this series is a little bit early. So I'm going to take that as Seidenberg where reality hits and says, you know, maybe this series is a little bit early. Or Next, this, next no. series won't be. See, I read it differently. I read when he said a little bit early. That's Pierre's nice way of saying he told me he's going to come back for game one of the next series. He will play. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, but no. this series is a little bit too early, even though he thinks he could probably play. I mean, that, that, that's it, right? He's, he's definitely playing game one. I mean, that's Pierre just told us. <laughs> Game one, they advance. That's it. Run it. Can we put a Breaking header. News. Can we put a header up on weei.com. Can Bradford go on his uh, stupid podcast and talk about it? I'm gonna play back that follow up and that silence. You are a little news hound over there. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. The AT and T text line three seven ninety three seven. The Johnny Manziel of uh, MLB Network, uh, Kevin Millar is going to join us in the 12 o'clock hour. I, what's Millar's favorite football team? He must love football. He's down there in Texas. Is he a Cowboys fan? I have no idea. I'm going to ask him because the draft's going on last night. I'm thinking, what if Millar is hoping that Manziel ends up with the Cowboys? It's a good question. I don't know. We're going to ask him uh, when he joins us at 12. We'll talk some baseball as well. Chris Price on the Patriots draft in the 1 o'clock hour. Florida Friday at 1.30, and one of the stories already got us laughing at just the headline uh, pre prior to the show today. That comes at 1.30, Sports Radio, WEEI.